Will Pharrell ever stop trying to make that hat happen? Answer me this, answer me this. What's the junctiest junction, spaghetti or clapham? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Listeners, I'm sure you've been on tenterhooks as we have been since Answer Me This 284, but you're going to have to wait a little minute to find out whether Greg from Baghdad's proposal was accepted or rejected because we've had this incredible email and it goes like this. My name is Lizzie and I recently won the skeleton at the Winter Olympics in Sochi. Wow. This is Lizzie Arnold. Kapow, yes. Email from a gold medal winning Olympian. Thank you very much. You know how excited we were, listeners, when Michael the Archer, who was trying <laughs> to qualify the, for the Olympics, wrote in to answer me this and he didn't quite make it. This is an actual Olympian who won a gold medal. Holy cow. I've been a fan of your shows for many years to the extent of borrowing friends' phones and uploading your podcast without permission. Wow. So she's been sabotaging other people's That's <laughs> quite a clever marketing technique. You know, the new Michael Jackson album they're basically doing that no yeah yeah Sony are uh, bundling it together with their new phones wow how cynical is that so if you're a Michael Jackson fan you want to hear the 10 songs he recorded before he died you have to buy whatever it is an Xperia Z1 are you going to uh no no, I'm not that much of a Michael Jackson fan I can certainly wait you'll be on YouTube after two hours Lizzie says I just wanted to let you know that I enjoyed your piece about the Winter Olympics in episode 284 wow and that, see, there you go. People who say we don't know anything about sports. Idiots. Gold-winning Olympian thinks we have something to say about sport. Well, yeah, she says, thanks for your show. It's much appreciated, especially when I'm abroad training and competing. It really does keep me sane. Do you think she's listening to it when she's hurtling down icy shorts? <laughs> oh, my God. Lizzie, I have so many questions to ask you. Uh, for instance, how do you practice? Because hardly anywhere has an ice channel for you to practice on. So do you just slide downstairs on a tray <laughs> like we used to as children? And how do you get into a sport like the skeleton in the first place? Like, how do you think, oh, I'd be good at that? Well, I read an article actually interviewing Lizzie Arnold talking about that. And she I was... want to hear from Lizzie Arnold directly, though. <laughs> You're not, not interested your in your hearsay. Now that we've got a direct line. <laughs> um, I know that she originally was um, qualified in something else. And then someone spotted her and said, no, you'd be better at skeleton. But she was doing something completely different. How do you know that you have a talent for skeleton? Such, such an unusual sport. And Lizzie, as you do the terrifying sport of skeleton, do you give the bobslayers a hard time for being soft? <laughs> uh, and lastly, is the Olympic Village the den of vice that everyone thinks it is? Yes, I think it definitely is. But let me know, Lizzie. It's amazing because often we'll talk about a thing and we'll think, one of our listeners is bound to work in this field. Mm. For instance, when we talked about Lego a few weeks ago, someone who works at Lego wrote in, mm. say, oh, it's nice to hear you talking about Lego, but never really expected that someone training for the Olympics was listening to the podcast. No, and equally, you do wonder... Like we were saying things that were relatively flattering about Olympians last time. Relative to our usual apprehension of sport. Exactly. But you wonder, actually, we've slagged off celebrities in this show loads of times. You know, Jamie Oliver, Justin Timberlake. You do what? I mean, it seems ridiculous that they'd ever know. But actually, chances are someone who knows them has heard us. It seems more ridiculous that they actually care, doesn't it? Then? Well, yeah, of Tim- course. I think Timberlake's got a very fragile ego. He probably is. Timberlake wouldn't call like, in, would he? He'd be like, I can't believe you said I had halitosis. <laughs> Just based on videos where you can't even smell me. Fuck what? you. <laughs> What's weirder is to think that someone who was standing on the gold-winning podium at the Olympics oh knows who Dave from Smethwick is. <laughs> Only one step removed from Dave from Smethwick. Yeah. I never thought it that way. That means I know about Coco. Your cat. She's yeah. a bronze medalist then, exactly. technically. <laughs> <laughs> but it is weird, isn't it, to think you've got brain space. It, like, if you knew that um, John Kerry listened, you'd think, mm. wouldn't you, every time you saw him making a pronouncement about Russia, you'd think, ah... Oh, 
He knows all about the guy who put semen in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Changes things. Well, Lizzie Yarnell, thank you so much for getting in touch. And I tell you what, your email was so exciting that even Martin, who of the three of us is the most sports ambivalent, he was like, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so that was very exciting feedback. But of course, we know that there is some other feedback from last week's episodes that everyone has been waiting for, and particularly Greg in Baghdad. So let's hear it. Hi, Hermelin. This is Nora in Malawi. Um, so the answer to the question is yes. I will marry Greg in Baghdad. And the wedding is going to be in Finland in May. So if you could please let Greg know, that would be great. Thank you. Aww. And I wonder if Greg has been waiting to hear the response on the podcast. <laughs> I I, th- I really hope that Nora got in touch with him in the fortnight in between episodes. Although he made a rod for his own back by doing yeah. it on our podcast. I mean, we are an inefficient podcast to do this on. You know, yeah. Keith and the Girl comes out every day. I've never felt that podcasting is a particularly romantic medium, but you're selling me on it. On to this question from Craig from Edinburgh, who says, I don't often listen to commercial radio. But I only listen to Ollie Mann through the night, 1 till 4am. <laughs> oh, jeez. Right? <laughs> but when I do... I invariably hear Natalie and Brulia's torn at some point. Oh yeah, I'm playing that all the time. <laughs> this might be just a weird coincidence, but it seems odd that an at best quite good single from 1997 would still be on such heavy rotation 17 years on that every commercial station has it programmed at least once a day. Mm. So answer me this. Does Ms. Imbruglia have compromising photos of some important people in the radio industry? And could Ollie check the LBC playlist to see if I'm right? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, obviously, as someone who never has listened to LBC, we, we don't have a we don't play music. No, it's speech no. radio. <laughs> the, the LBC playlist is uh, UKIP, smacking, health tourism, obese children, cycling in London, and stop and search. <laughs> There's not really any room for torn. They do come around at least twice an hour, though. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's not torn. It's Hazard by Richard Marks and the mm. only time I hear it is when mm. I'm in a taxi and yet every single time seriously it's, it's uncanny well that, that, that's the point isn't it I mean you're referring specifically to Magic there we've it's, discussed this yes. before I mean Magic yes. is an extraordinary station because there are songs on there that you didn't hear the first time round and yet they're playlisted as if they were massive hits so like there's that sometimes when we touch yeah. the honesty is oh. too much I lived through the 80s never heard that song once and yet it's on Magic every hour Glenn Medeiros is forever young on Magic <laughs> nothing's gonna change, change but for you. <laughs> that is and, a great song. And a lot of rock sets, which I'm not complaining about. No, no, and Savage Garden as well. Never went oh, away, never died right. on Magic. So uh, I think Magic is living proof that there are some songs that the DNA of them, they, mm. they just fit the station's demographic. They know ruthlessly who they're targeting with their advertising, yeah. and that's what they match up with. And Torn is, is one of those songs, like it or not. The DNA of that song, it is, it's kind of a perfect pop song. I think also it doesn't sound that dated because it's guitar-based, and I don't think many people absolutely despise that song, but there are many big hits that people now would run screaming from. I think it's quite a competent piece of pop songwriting, isn't it? Well, she'll be pleased to hear it. Yeah, well, except she didn't write it, of course. Oh, no, but no. Well, there was the whole controversy, wasn't there, that it was a stolen song from, was it a Swede? No, it was a Dane. Um, but actually, even the Dane didn't write it. Oh. Uh, it was originally written by a sort of four non-blondes type band called Edna Swap. Edna Swap. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which sounds like a really dodgy sex practice, doesn't it? If you hear their version, it's on Spotify. It's really boring. Uh. It's all electric guitars and quite grungy. And it doesn't mm. sound like Torn at all. I mean, you can just about identify the melody in there. But it's know what's going on. It's know what's going on. Don't You by the Pussycat Dolls. That was originally sung by a different singer who... It was originally she... David Bowie sang that. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's not the kind of 
glamour whore type of the pussycat dolls mm. so the fact that this relatively ordinary looking woman was singing it added quite a different spin to the lyrics i thought I, well that's often what happens isn't it it's like the original you can leave your hat on randy newman He's playing a really seedy character in that. Baby, take off your shoes. It's like, I'm a dirty old man. Come and lap dance for me. And then Tom Jones does it. Ah, I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> but it kind of works better in the Tom Jones version, you have to be honest, even though Randy Newman wrote it. Well, Tom Jones sort of makes Sleaze seem tolerable for the 21st century. <laughs> Ironic imbruglia fact. Is, is imbruglia epiphenomenal? Epiphenomenal. Please explain for the ignorant, including me. Uh, it means... Uh peripheral to something more interesting and important. Why would you use a stupid word like that? Have you been reading Will Self? It was a Will Self. Why would you do a PhD? I mean, Martin's an endless enigma. My ironic imbruglia fact is that, um, as well as being known for the song Torn... And playing Beth in Neighbours. She's also a spokesperson for vaginal fistula. (laughs) I just think it's funny that, you know, her most famous song is Torn, and that's what she... (laughs) She's a celebrity spokesperson for that. It's not ironic, it's very appropriate. She was probably chosen as the spokesperson because of having done (laughs) such an appropriate song. (laughs) Maybe. She's also got that song, uh, Big Mistake. Having a fistula is a big mistake. Mm. Not one you can help, I suppose. Well, can you name any other Imbruglia songs? I don't think it's really a mistake. Uh, I mean, that suggests that there's some uh, there's some cause of action that could stop you having a fistula. I, apparently I can't name yeah. another <laughs> Imbruglia song. I, I know there was another one. There was one more, yeah. Uh, there was another whole album, but, you know. Oh. Here's a question from Joe in New Hampshire, USA, who says, uh, Helen, answer me this. Can you possibly explain the purpose of those saloon doors... Well, I can help you out with that one. They're doors for a saloon. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> that are always shown in westerns. Uh, I speak, of course, about those swinging doors which start at the knees and stop at the shoulders of a standard cowboy or, say, Clint Eastwood or John Wayne. Obviously, they keep nothing out or in, including dust, wind or rain. What in the world could be the use of such a door? Well, I think it's so that when a bar brawl broke out, you could throw someone through it dramatically so they sprawled into the street without breaking the door so you had to replace it every time a brawl broke out, which, as we know, was all the time. But that still happens all the time in Yates's Wine Lodge, and yet <laughs> they have glass doors and security men. They've just got a big human-sized cat flap at Yates's. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> if they chucked you out from, like, the third floor up as well in some of those big ones in Leisure Park. Down a helter-skelter. And you went all the way down and out into the car lot. That would be great. I understand that the Batwing door... As they are Batwing I think they are a trope That Hollywood has Really run with So yes. now they're associated With saloons Generally they had Normal doors And then Hollywood uh, Really went for the Swinging doors They would have let A lot of cold and dust in And, and problems But apparently It may have been Because they needed To ventilate the bar If people were smoking in there for instance, and they were often long and windowless and stuffy. Well, this is the thing. In the days before air conditioning, yeah. if you're in New Mexico or California or, or Mexico, indeed, <laughs> um, you'd imagine that you'd need some sort of ventilation system that you're in the shade, you're inside, but still you want some fresh air coming in because if you're yeah. completely sealed, you'd, you'd, you'd fits, wouldn't you? I think also there may have been something whereby a drinking establishment had to be shielded from the street because of the shame of it. Mm. and all the ladies of the night and everything but they also wanted it to be accessible and for the noise to spill out so that people wanted to go in I guess as well I'm sure they had rear entrances but yeah. it gives you the option to ride right into the bar on your horse doesn't oh yeah it? and then start shooting your pistols into the ceiling <laughs> well or just I was thinking you know if you're delivering some kegs or some Good monkey point. nuts or whatever it was they moonshine. had moonshine yeah because actually it's just you know in those days you didn't Practical. need a truck around the back you could just you, you know bars shut mm. stocking up in the morning Good just point. ride the horse right in yeah and also you can uh, you can sweep without opening the door. I mean, it's pretty easy to open a door, so you might as well. There's quite a, there's quite a potent image of the promise of violence, isn't there, in the, in the saloon door? There is. Because yeah. you, can, cause you can see, you can make eye contact across the saloon door with yeah. 
the, your opponents were the people who were about to draw a gun on you, but you can't actually start fighting until you push the door open. Yeah. And then you're in the sort of the space of combat. So it's a sort of it's restrained violence, which is a very common Western theme, isn't it? This, this question is effectively an episode of 99% Invisible, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot you could say about doors to bars. I've never really thought about it before. Roman Mars, I know you're listening. Can you just sort this out for us and report back? <laughs> Because there's the speakeasy door as well. Is that a different kind of door? Yeah, or is yeah, it not the same door? No, no, no. Speakeasy oh. door oh, is... Oh, sorry. Sorry for getting them mixed up. No, I'll give you the cliche and then you'll know exactly what okay. I mean. You knock on the door, oh, little yes. hole opens, oh, yeah, little flat. Who sent you? <laughs> well, you, like... you say something like, Dick sent me. Yeah. And, well, then, well, and then they shut the thing and then yeah. they wait five seconds then they open it up and, and there's dancing like, girls somehow it's an entirely soundproof door as well yeah. yeah even though that technology probably didn't really exist and the party's always raging <laughs> in a speakeasy yeah 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 it's never you, just a load of pissheads yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're never there too <laughs> early yeah. so it's just, just just you and the lights are all up yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're just doing coffees at the moment but if you come back in now you've got a question then email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at Time for a question from Jax, who says, One of my very good friends is single and keen to bag herself a chap. I see. That's how it works, isn't it? Find a man, put a bag on his head. Done. (laughs) If you like it, then you should have put a bag on it. (laughs) (laughs) We have jokingly called this Project Husband. That's a great name for a TV show, I think. Mm. I'm surprised that hasn't happened. It probably has happened, hasn't it? Who to present? Joan Rivers, I think. She, I think, would just scare so many of the women. Okay. Got I, one? I think, no. Well, that's quite good, actually. So you have got one out on the street with a bag to bag the husband. <laughs> and, then you, and then you bring them upstairs yeah. and Joan Rivers is there to interrogate them. It's sort of like Street Mate with Davina, but with an added element of hunting. Mm. I think what I'm saying is, got one plus Joan Rivers plus bin liners, dream format. Frightening. The trouble is, continues Jax, she's a little dismissive of ways to meet men. Uh, and not really taken with the idea of online dating or Tinder, etc. I love to solve a problem. You and us both, Jax. Mm. And have convinced her that going to a singles night would be a good compromise, as it's a bit closer to a natural environment of meeting someone, i.e. getting drunk near some boys. However, she doesn't have any single friends to go with her and asked if I would go along. Right. I am recently married. And whilst I've done my fair share of standing next to friends being chatted up and my husband doesn't mind me going, I feel a little uneasy. I'm not suggesting that the entire room will flock to me, but if I'm (laughs) stood alone, there's a reasonable chance I might get chatted up. I don't want to be one of those awful knobs shouting, I've got a husband, the second any one of the opposite sex talks to me. But also, they'll have probably paid £15 to meet some single women, so I don't want to waste their time. Good to look at it from a commercial basis, isn't it? Uh, Jax continues, also, I suffer mildly with social anxiety and a desperate need to be liked. <laughs> so, so That's pro- called being a human being. <laughs> 
So we're, we're all on that scale, yeah. So brushing people off but still being liked is highly important to me. Well, okay, so you could get something out of this <laughs> affirmation. Uh, so, Helen, answer me this. At what point do I politely decline any potential suitor's advances? And how? Well, it's tricky, isn't it, though? If she wants to be liked, it means she can't go looking hideous and mad, mm. which would drive away a lot of suitors. Like, if you went unwashed wearing a stained tracksuit... Mm. That would keep them away. Yeah, but also... Uh, Maybe. I, I don't know. If I was at a singles night and I was looking around and all the women looked kind of samey mm. because they'd all put in an effort... You'd go for the naughty one. I, if there was one that had, mm. yeah, like sort of, you know, moths flying around her hair and yeah. wearing an old jumper with holes in it, You'd I'd be kind like, of think, she she looks she's like, interesting. She looks like a gas. I would. <laughs> and that's how Helen and I met. Yeah. It, it is cool when people don't try too hard, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of is. That's the thing. And I'd, I'd think... I think at least I want to have a conversation with that one. Yes. Um, because she's interesting. She's different. I want to know what sort of moth that is. And also, actually, I'd, I'd probably think somewhere in the back of my mind, I think if one of the pretty girls saw me talking to that one, they'd think, oh, he's not just interested in looks, which is a good thing to, to seem to be doing at a singles night. So that you're could backfire. You're, you're such a pickup artist. Yeah. On the other hand, women often enjoy the competition of beating someone they feel is superior to them for the affections of a man. So hmm. maybe they wouldn't see Moth Lady as a particular inducement for, <laughs> for their own romance. Maybe. Oh, I can't believe that your friend doesn't have any single friends and that you, Jax, can't rustle up a singleton to go with her because you're taking up the place of somebody who could be legitimately looking for love. Why can't she go on her own? I mean, I know, I know it's a bit intimidating and, and so on, but... But it's a singles woman. night, that's yeah. the point. Yeah, they're all alone. I think I'd prefer going by myself yeah. to singles night. It's embarrassing yeah. someone you know watching you doing flirting yes. or oh, making God. a sexy face. I mean, that's mortifying. <laughs> the thing is as well, you might be inclined to uh, massage the truth a little bit about your life and your mm. lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and mm. that's difficult when your friend's there because they'll mm. undergo, oh no, that's not true. Yep. You didn't do that. Like, Shut up, I did. I so did own that company. <laughs> your friend needs not to use you as a lifeline on this singles night because then she won't talk to any new people. She can't just stand stand in the corner and chat to you, feeling safe. She's got to go out there and, and mix. Uh, okay, so I think we're all saying, actually, we prefer go. the idea that she didn't go at all. But assuming she, she is yeah. going, she's committed to going. If I mean, there's an obvious, obvious way out of this, is, is wear a really ostentatious wedding ring. But then you're, you may be barred from the singles night. Not if you've paid. It's like going to Fight Club going, I'm just here to watch. Yeah. And it seems like Jax wants the, she wants the ego boost of being mm. flirted with by men and then not have to do anything about but it. But actually, that, okay, the, the bottom line is there's nothing wrong with flirting with someone even if you're in a relationship. At some point you have to tell them you're in a relationship and you don't want to be leading them on. But having a 10 minute flirtatious conversation, truth is the chance that the person who's flirting with you really, really likes you and wants to take you home and is assuming that something's going to happen yeah. is probably only 20% anyway. They're probably just thinking, well, this is a fun, flirty conversation, then I'll go and talk to someone else. Yeah, that's a good point. They're probably there to gather as many contact details exactly. as possible. Just give them the wrong ones. In fact, adopt many mysterious identities and have a bit of fun that way, Jax. Mm. What you could do, Jax, is pretend to be one of the staff at the venue. Like, oh, yeah. like start, just start clearing tables so your friend can go and talk to you if she's feeling insecure, but you just, like, stack up glasses and take them back to the bar. I was wearing a yellow polo shirt the other day in Ikea and someone thought I was staff. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's it. Just watch, watch what people are wearing. Yeah. And uh, if you can match that in some way, people will just assume your staff and then you don't have to necessarily uh, think through the deception. Why don't you go in a nun's habit? <laughs> <laughs> just looking to make sure that nothing too impure goes on. Yeah, nice idea. Well, now it's time for a short intermission brought to you by Answer Me This, episode 128. Available now at answermethisstore.com. 
when I first started at secondary school, there was this woman called Penny who was charged with looking after us. Who Penny. Was this Irish woman who was obsessed with America. Absolutely obsessed. Anyway, she was so into Americana that her thing was, at the end of the year, her class, who were 10 years old, would go into the Leavers Ball, which was 17 and 18-year-olds. <laughs> Drunk ones, presumably. Drunk well. 17 and 18-year-olds. And perform for them the Grease Megamix. Oh. It's horrifying, isn't it? And I was part of that. She'd done it the year before, and they'd loved it. The yeah. Leavers Ball, it had gone down a storm. Someone had spiked the punch with something really psychedelic that <laughs> year. But we just weren't up for it. We weren't getting it, and it was really obvious yeah, right Tell me more, tell me <laughs> more. Yeah. But the, I'll tell you the reason why. We had, I think it was 18 boys, three girls. So the whole kind of summer loving thing was just uncomfortable. <laughs> like a pack of advancing wolves. <laughs> Let's take a question from the phone line, folks. The number for which is... 0208123 Or you can Skype. Answer me this. Let's see who's done that. Hi, uh, my name's Philip from Berlin. Um, every year I go to my aunt's house in London for so Seder night at the beginning of Passover the vegetarian so there's never any meat uh, and she usually cooks a big fish pie or some other kind of course um, but I don't eat seafood and so for the last 15 years or so I've had a bowl of mini baby bells for little cheeses all to myself and that's been my main course uh, because I once said I like them uh, but now I feel like I need a bit more to get me through these long evenings I just found out that this year my aunt's going to be doing two Seder nights, so I'm going to have to do it twice, and I don't want to eat two bowls of baby bells. So bear in mind that historically she hasn't taken anything critical very well. How Helen only answered me this: How can I gently suggest to my aunt that I need something a bit more substantial? Tonight. Well, anyone who serves you a bowl of mini baby bells is obviously so demented that uh, giving her a sensible argument isn't going to work. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you have to be direct, but not in a way that's critical of the baby bell itself. I think what you have to do is say, Auntie, this mini baby bell is so delicious. However it, did you make it? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm even prepared to bunch it into some other kinds of cheese. Tonight. I think exactly. I think, you know what's really nice is baby bell and brie. I think that's what you have to say. Or you could just tell her that at the moment you've been told to cut out dairy. <laughs> yeah, but then what's he left with? Because she Peanuts. doesn't have meat and he doesn't eat fish. Matzah? And it's Passover, so you can't even have bread. Matzah. Can, yeah. Matzah's nice. Can I ask a question of Jews? Yes. <laughs> um, cheese. Yes. Yeah. Is made from rennet. Yeah. Which is animal stomach. Yeah, skip to the point. Milk and meat. Yes. If you eat cheese, which is made with animal rennet. Yes, you get kosher Is that cheese. mixing milk and meat? You can get vegetarian cheese, kosher cheese. If so you, you, just to be, yeah. you just have to eat vegetarian cheese, but not also with Jews, animal rennet. Jews often overlook uh, contradictions Logic. in... Yes. <laughs> Sorry, my people, but yeah. you know it's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole thing is based on the idea that uh, God passed over the doors of the firstborn who put a bit of slaughtered goat on their door. Lambler, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but then killed the firstborn of everyone else. God is such a knob. He's a massive. He's dick awful. In that story, why isn't does he? everyone? Why does everyone worship him when he's such a nightmare? I know, and they're like, "Oh, thank you, God, for liberating us from slavery." It's like, yeah, what the fuck were you doing for the other two thousand years? Yeah. <laughs> Just letting us get on with it. Yeah. All right, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> Passover is fun anyway, even though I don't believe in it. I mean, I, I I do believe that the story happened obviously to some extent. I believe there were Jews in Egypt. In they slavery. went on a walk. What's nice is that you know that uh, the Jewish people for three thousand years have done that exact ceremony. 
in exactly the same way that I'm doing it. Well, not in exactly the same way because all my family shout at each other rather than concentrate on the Hebrew. <laughs> but, you know, basically in exactly the same way. And that, that element of tradition is quite exciting. Yeah, what the, the bitter herbs and the hard-boiled egg. What's yeah, the egg for? I, oh, it's always tears. I don't know. The salt yes, it's, The salt is always food. tears. It's taste of tears. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I'm talking Ashkenazi foods because Sephardi Jew foods are delicious. Yeah, when, nice. when, when God killed all the firstborn, he cried. And, and the <laughs> An first egg. tear that hit the ground turned into a giant egg. The egg the, is the something Jews to do with birth, isn't it? Rebirth yeah. from rebirth from slavery or something like that. Uh, and the salt is tears. Yeah, that soup's great though. Does uh, my aunt does? She does this sort of. I guess it's a chicken soup, really, but they put so much salt and egg in it that <laughs> it's no, but it's delicious. It's really nice. <laughs> but it's egg, yeah, salt. You've got to like salt and egg. Chicken and egg is a, is a very moral combination. Never my milk and milk. Yeah. Well, well, uh, Philip's aunt's a vegetarian, so it's not going to happen. But <laughs> Philip, maybe you could say to her, look, two nights in a row—that's a lot of work for you. Maybe I could cook one night. And then cook something that's not Baby Bell. <laughs> Presumably, though, just because she doesn't eat meat and you don't eat fish. I mean, there is a world of vegetables in between. I mean, how did Plenty. you arrive at Baby Bell as the solution? Well, I, Philip doesn't know. How does anyone arrive at a bowl full of Baby Bell yeah. as a meal? Because he, he once said he liked it. That seemed to be the... Uh, he once said, oh, I like Baby Bell. Mm. And his aunt has gone, oh, brilliant. Well, we're just yeah. feeding Baby Bell every mm. time we say it. Yeah, this happened with my non-Jewish grandmother. In the 70s, she read in a magazine a recipe for a soup, which was tin consomme whipped up with Philadelphia and curry powder oh. the Philadelphia rises to the top and forms a curry flavoured plug <laughs> <laughs> and my, my parents like mmm this is lovely thank you and got served it every, every time year. for 20 years and it's disgusting because it's so like difficult isn't it runny vom someone's got a recipe they like to stick with it oh. and you've, you've got to be complimentary the first time haven't you even if you don't really like it but then they think well I, I, I better not deviate so I think you, you probably have got to pretend that there is some medical condition that you can't eat baby bell. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the way forward. But then you can't have any other cheese. But you've, no, I think what you've got to do, I mean, on her past form of feeding you a bowl of cheese, you've got to be specific. You've got to say, my doctor says yeah. I need to only eat salad. Because I.e. Yeah. lettuce, cucumber and tomato mixed up. Jews love the words of doctors yes, as well. Exactly. So she'll probably go for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Levy said, that's how you do <laughs> Dr. Levy said, I need to eat green salad twice a day. Then at least you've got yourself some uh, balanced meal there. Oh, I think yeah. I think a simpler option is just to bring some of the ingredients you might want to eat. Weird Seder night thing. Oh, was it when our dog proved herself to be Elijah? No, but go um, on. Because you know at Passover you lay an extra place at the table and then at some point you open the door and allow Elijah to come in. Mm-hmm. The dog came in. She is Elijah. Right. She's dead now. It wasn't so that. is Elijah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that. Oh. Um, no, my thing is, so for the benefit of Gentiles listening... Mm. On Seder night, what you do every year is you you retell the story of the liberation of the Jews from slavery. And Never you, gets old. You, <laughs> and you all go around the table and you read a verse from this book, mm. uh, which tells the story, and you only read it at Passover. I mean, some people probably really love the yeah. book and read it all the time, but that's <laughs> weird. So you all go around, you all take a verse each, and in uh, secular families, especially in, in Britain, you, it's become traditional to not just read the Hebrew because no one understands what that means, but actually read the English translation. Yes. So we go around, we actually read it all in English. So we do a few concessions to Hebrew, but it's mostly in English. Can you read Hebrew? Uh, very very slowly and yeah. embarrassingly yeah um like i have to like phonetically work yeah. it out and then a bit like when i'm playing the piano and i have to yeah. write out f-a-c-e yeah. on the sc- on the scale presumably yeah. you peaked when you were 13 because after bar mitzvah you don't really need yeah. to use it that much yeah but it hasn't come up much in, in my career in podcasting um <laughs> but uh we all go around we take a verse in english anyway my family on Passover is there's probably about 16 of us right because it goes up to like first and second cousins my auntie lane has everyone around mm-hmm. um we all take a verse of the book each and then go it goes on to the next person a bit like reading comprehension aloud yeah. in school somehow 
I always man. It doesn't matter where I sit. Oh. Doesn't matter whether I'm sitting at the end, in the middle, whether it starts with me, whether I'm the last to read. Somehow, when it gets to the passage about what the stupid child asks, <laughs> it's always me. And I do think that is some kind of sign from God. What does the stupid child ask? So that one of the stories at Passover is um, why is this night different to all other nights? Oh, right, uh, okay. And you go round and it, and it said the learned child asks why is this night different to all other nights and the and the learned rabbi said this and then you know the the inquisitive child asks da 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 it's written like a fairy story you know right, yeah. and then it always gets and basically it means the slow probably mentally disabled child asks and I can't remember exactly what they asked but it's something really stupid like Where's the toilet yeah <laughs> why isn't there a musical about Passover <laughs> and it's always me it's always me playing the the stupid child. And it seems incredible. Oh. It is like a sign from God. I don't know if my family plan it out that Trolls. way as a joke. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. God's a troll. But yeah, biggest troll of them all. Do you remember how websites used to be? Comic songs and backgrounds that look like trees. Flash intros, links to GeoCities. But now, thanks to Squarespace, your site needn't be crappy. They make great design easy, so everyone's happy. And on desktop, phones and tablets, your site looks well snappy. Thank you very much, Squarespace, for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. Yes. Thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing, Squarespace, for making the internet look a less cluttered place uh, with yeah. your beautifully designed mm. web templates. Uh, <laughs> if you would like to design a website that looks nicer than a shit one, uh, go to squarespace.com. Free trial. And then if you like it and you want to buy it for the year, use the code ANSWER3 to get 10% off. Time for a question from M, who says... Helen, answer me this. Why is rented accommodation uniformly magnolia? It's not nice. It looks, probably through the association of experience, grubby. Well, it is the same colour as grubby paint, though, even when it's new. It's the exact colour of a white wall that's faded, isn't it? Well, M says, it reveals weird stains. Um, reveals? Is that fair? Yeah, no, I don't think it is fair. And I think that's the answer to the question. I think it actually suppresses some weird stains compared to white paint. That's the point of it. I think it evens out the weird stains because it all looks like weird stains. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that all private landlords, continues M, are feckless, tasteless brutes with an ingrained hatred of individual expression, but I may be jumping to conclusions. Seems fair. Uh, No one loves Magnolia. Bet Dulux love it. Yeah, cha-ching. But a pretty good premium they can put on that, isn't it? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because there are a lot of things that they think, well, no one loves this, but no one hates it. Mm. But they're wrong, because I hate Magnolia. Would you prefer a wall with real character that was more divisive? So, for example, if your landlord, Uh. instead of recently painting your walls Magnolia, had said, right, you're going to have half pink, half black, (laughs) what would you have felt? At least it would be something. It would be. It would be a strip club from the 1980s. Would you like it, though? Well, that was my best era for going to strip clubs. In our old house... The ceilings were all made of what looked like saunas. They mm. all had the like orange pine planks. Uh, and the landlord who built that house was like, I don't think I'd do that again. Mm. I guess because it is divisive and it makes you think of people sweating in a shed. Well, that's it. I suppose they must have done market research one day or perhaps it's apocryphal. But anyway, the perception is most people find Magnolia the most inoffensive. Or just because when you're 
a renter, you don't really have the choice to be offended by it. You're rarely allowed to decorate mm. your own home. That's what you're stuck with. How yeah. can you protest? Okay, but you're seeing that from the renter's point of view. But yes, seeing I it from to. the landlord's point of view, they're trying to maximise the amount of money they can get. They want a bigger return. If they knew that by painting it orange, more people would pay them more money, they would. But clearly that isn't the case. But what about just white? Some say it looks stark, but Magnolia has a lot of grey in it, so that can look very dingy and cold. Yeah, no, I agree with, I, I, I agree with you, but I just assume that the market has dictated this for a reason. I think it's just sheep-like mentality. Maybe. And is also, Magnolia cheaper than white paint? Yeah, well, I was just about to ask. Maybe it is. You, you've been repainting a house. Well, Did we you went... even consider <laughs> painting any room Magnolia? No. Well, here's another question of home improvement. Oh, you can't call Magnolia an improvement. Uh, from Joe, uh, from Ferrum, who says, Having moved house recently to a doer upper, uh, I've spent a large part of the last few weeks drilling into the freshly plastered walls, putting up curtain rails and pictures etc sex swings etc <laughs> that is a heartbreaking process actually because if you've if you've plastered the walls breaking into a pristine wall yeah because it can go wrong yeah. and I even if it goes wrong just by an inch a, I think you're putting up a sex swing is a disheartening process <laughs> I don't even know what a sex swing is <laughs> I guess any swing can be a sex swing can't it actually I'm yeah. not those ones that are clearly meant for people so young they can't even sit up by themselves with the little cages in them yeah could be good, could be good for BDSM stop it at the start of this process continues Joe I asked my wife to pass me a raw plug oh yeah racy it's a great story so far but what happens next amazing but after overhearing someone in b&q referring to raw plugs as wall plugs no speech defect i have now started using this different terminology at home it is good to shake things up a bit (laughs) (laughs) bringing bringing fresh ideas into the bedroom Uh, my wife has asked why I have changed Joe you're not the man I married (laughs) (laughs) rather than tell her I was just copying someone who looked like they vaguely knew what they're doing I just made up a story about roll plug being a brand name so it's the same thing as a wall plug Um, so Helen answer me this am I right Uh, if not why did I use the term roll plug and which should i use moving forward so i can impress the till staff at b&q with my vast diy knowledge because of course they really care about that don't yeah. they they're all on minimum wage yeah. and the only thing that gets them through the day is whether joe from fairham knows what a roll plug is called yeah these are people who are starved of natural daylight joe you think they give any shits why are you talking to them about roll plugs anyway <laughs> yeah the most exciting moment of the day is when people ask for nectar points and they're like yeah. no that's home base why don't you just ask them about their lives mm, exactly always talking shop does he have a point yes is- oh, well really? he didn't okay. really make up this story at all so wall plugs mm were invented by John Joseph Rawlings, who oh. then named them Rawl Plugs after himself. Which you would, wouldn't you, if you invented something so boring? You might as well get, <laughs> yeah. some, might as well get something get, out of it. Might as well get a bit of glory out of it. Yeah. Uh, so the generic term is wall plug, but because they are roll plugs, uh. and he perfected the roll plug, they are both... And yet, I bet you can't actually get Raw Plugs as a brand anyway. I bet it's not registered. I haven't looked, to be honest. I mean, listeners, this is how much I love you. I have read three (laughs) histories of Raw Plugs today, (laughs) and that is as far as I'm willing to take this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's reasonable. Well, in my journeys within DIY superstores, I've not noticed that there is a brand of Raw Plugs. Are they called Raw Plugs? Well, this is it. Maybe they are called Wall Plugs. It's just so boring (laughs) that you can't actually take on this information. I think they're wonderfully designed items but what are they supposed to be called martin i think they're called wall plug- but I, I suspect it's one of those things where lisping and like and language mutation will mean that in a hundred years time if this exists they'll be called wall plugs because it makes more sense and it's almost the same word as wall plug what about john joseph rawlings legacy martin i wonder whether the technology is going to come for a super adhesive 
that's easier to put up than a raw plug because you still mm. need to have a basic knowledge of DIY. You've got and to a use drill. a drill and a hammer and like get it in line. And yeah, I but sort of, I like for someone like me. What? Super, what? super adhesive will ruin your wall. You're barely a man, Ollie man. Come on, Martin. It's not. It's not that difficult. You drill a hole. You hammer yeah, the well, plug in. That you snip bit, it off. You stop. What you've already said is difficult. I've never drilled a hole. You've never drilled a hole. No, and I've got a drill. I went and bought a drill because I thought that will make it easy to drill a hole you've by got, a drill. You've but got I, a hand tremor though, so yeah. you could start <laughs> drilling a hole and take out a whole wall. I can't even... I can open the box that the drill's in. Good, that's a start. That's step one. Important. But then you open it up and there's like 12 different sizes of drills in there. And <laughs> A, I don't know which one I'm supposed to choose for the job because I'm just drilling a hole. I don't the know what size it's supposed one. to be. And B, I... I can't then get the drill bit attached to the drill without looking in the instruction manual because there's no obvious button on there to do it. Do you know what, Ollie? I think that you are striking a blow for gender stereotypes. So congratulations. <laughs> I'm a warrior. Do you want me to give you a tutorial? I'm a nerd no. and, I, and I know how to use a drill. Yeah. I, hate, I hate sports, but I can still put up a I picture. know how to pay someone with a drill. <laughs> That's good enough for me. I had a handyman came over uh, about uh, a month ago and it was great. It was a proper... He's the proper village handyman. He advertises in the uh, parish newsletter. And uh, I waited till I had 12 jobs for him to do, all of which I should have been able to do myself. But it was just so satisfying to pay a proper man £100 to do them all for me. That's awful. So he did. He painted a bit of the ceiling that I couldn't reach, mm -hmm. which I was worried I'd fall down the stairs if I did. <laughs> um, he cut off the TV aerial, which we don't need because we've got Virgin and it was just kind of protruding from the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, he sanded down the door to the garage. Are you going to tell us all 12 jobs you <laughs> have to do? <laughs> well, then, not if like, you're not interested, Helen. Fancy that, I'm not. The only people that normally need help with their sorts of jobs are... Old like women, I know. Elderly yeah, widows. Yeah, I know, but well, yeah. look, he did a good job, and if I'd done them myself, I would have done a bad job. My, if if you give me 90 quid, I'll come and do those Okay, jobs deal. <laughs> my, my dad apparently flipped out when my mum suggested that they get a tree surgeon in to deal with the fact that six massive trees had come down in their garden during the recent storms. Because he likes to believe he's handy with an axe, doesn't he? Well, he's, he is handy with an axe and a chainsaw, mm. but he is a man in his 70s who is incredibly slow, mm. but he felt that he was very much unmanned by this suggestion. That's how seriously he takes his home lumberjacking. Well, since I found them out, you're going to hear some rule plug facts. Oh, brilliant. No, yeah. no. Rule plugs. Well up for it. Yeah. The reason why rule plugs came to be is thanks to the British Museum. What happened is that after the First World War, they were retrofitting a lot of old buildings with electrics. Mm -hmm. So they needed time-saving devices quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to damage the masonry in the British Museum. And they needed the fittings put on there unobtrusively. And so uh, John Joseph Rawlings invented the rule plug to do just that. Oh, was he actually contracted by the British Museum then? I think he was an inventor. He did other sort of DIY things. He had a company from the 1890s. No, so it's interesting. It was essentially, you know, something that's now a staple of... Uh, it's not a staple. It's a roll plug. <laughs> uh, now a yeah. fixture. Yeah. In both yeah, senses. Okay. Yeah. Uh, of DIY was something that was invented really for a tourist attraction, you know, with an industrial purpose. Stick with us, listeners. Here is another amazing question of why a boring thing is called a boring thing. <laughs> it's from Michael from Southampton who uh -huh. says, Ollie, answer me this. Why is the place for deleted files in Windows called the recycle bin? You can only choose to delete the files forever or to take them out again. I'm not a waste management expert, but that doesn't sound like recycling. Because mm. you're just you're either disposing or retrieving. You're not transmuting it into a different thing. Correct. I, mean, well, I think there's two reasons for this. 
Uh, reason number one, it is to indicate that theoretically you could use the files again, mm. which obviously you can. You're, you're not just throwing them away. You're putting them in a place which you can get them out of, which is a form of recycling. Okay. Could it be argued that you're also recycling the available computer space by disposing of this file in order to fill it with another file? That's very clever lateral mm. thinking. It's but yes, adequate it could be, lateral no, it could, thinking. No, it could be. It absolutely could. Well, when you recycle something, you don't expect it to retain its original form. If you have a plastic bottle, bottle, you don't expect it to make another identical plastic bottle. You just expect the plastic to be reused. Sure. In the same way, the ones and the zeros from that file will be used in a different way that won't reflect its original form. But I think the second reason is is the real reason, and it's a reason of copyright. Uh, oh. Apple came up with the phrase trash first. Oh. Um, so Apple uh, copyrighted uh, in, in its Lisa interface in 1982 uh, the word waste basket. Uh, oh. And then sued anyone who used the word trash or anything like it. So Microsoft thought, what's close enough? Rubbish. Wheelie uh, bin. Recycle bin. Mm. So hence recycle bin. Wow. Which okay. actually I think is actually... It's, I'm satisfied with that. I, and I didn't expect to be. I think they did well because I think Windows 95 would be worse without that functionality. So it's just as well they had it. And they had to call it something. And I think it is far enough away from trash to not be sued. Is that when they introduced it in 95? Windows 95, yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. tech rant. You know Clippy, right? You brought I do. up Clippy. Fucking hate Clippy. Well, you're going to hate new Google Maps because when you sign into new Google Maps, they're like, hi, I'm Mappy Tosspot. No, and I'm here they to don't. Do they? Yeah, little yellow waving have man. Have learned nothing from the last 20 years of watching people have meltdowns in front of a computer screen? I, I threw him in a lake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hold him down and watch him drown? I was him <laughs> wiggling his little yellow limbs. <laughs> I threw him down onto a busy motorway. But I do wonder, actually, if you, if you locate this to 1995 as well, I wonder whether, uh, in the context of Microsoft being uh, evil global corporate and everything... That whether, my brother. <laughs> whether, whether actually the term recycle bin was the work of some hippie-ish programmer who actually thought, yeah, let's, let's promote the idea of recycling subliminally mm. through our products, even though the whole notion of unnecessarily upgrading your computer from one Windows platform to another does create waste. But if you look at Microsoft versus Apple, Apple, when their computer gets out of date, you just chuck it in the bin and buy yeah. a new one. Well, yeah. Microsoft, you could buy a new motherboard back in the day, a new hard drive. Yeah. You, there is that this sort of there element is a of recycling recycle. element. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, you don't have to call it Recycle Bin on Windows. If you're a proper nerd, there are <laughs> cut around so you can rename it. Anything oh. you want. Um, yeah, so Martin, I presume yours would be the Waz Flaps disposal or something. <laughs> yeah. What would you... That's what it's called. Uh, I We've discussed this before, but all the things Martin names on the Helen and Martin's joint computer Awful system, they're, they're appalling Shitty things. Flaps. But just a point. Like, I just, at one point you're going to have someone's mother around and they'll be like, what's the Wi-Fi, darling? <laughs> oh, it's piss cunt? Oh, piss what? <laughs> oh, what's the password? It's shitty jism. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a folder when I, we were recording this and I was in a particularly bad mood. Yes, there is, called Helen's Cunting Shit Fuck. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was Ali's Cunting Shit Fuck. <laughs> you're a nightmare. Martin, so yeah, so given the opportunity, what would you rename a recycle bin? Skanky old bucket. <laughs> um, I'd probably go for something a bit more existential, like sort of wormhole or, you know. Mm. I'd call it uh, the file cemetery. That's quite good, yeah. yeah. Although you are then introducing death into a programme that they were marketing very much as a rejuvenating force. Oh, you've got me thinking really hard now about what you'd call, call that folder, because there's an information theory that says if you destroy information, it, 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 it consumes energy. So you, just to get rid of information, it consumes energy. Maxwell's furnace. I'm not sure where Martin's going with this. Are you? Sometimes Martin says things during the podcast recording, and I, I make a little note with myself. I'm like, I'll enjoy listening back to that at some point. 
writing, I'll making some it. notes, looking up on Wikipedia <laughs> yeah. what Martin's on about. Google yeah, well, Shannon's information theory, kids. In a couple of years' time, I'll listen back, but uh, in the moment, I've no idea what he just said. Well, that brings this episode to a close, but in order to open the next episode, we need your questions, and so please email, phone, or Skype them to us. Our contact details, for your convenience, are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com uh, And remember our various audio side projects as well. You can listen to me every night, weeknight, from 1 till 4am on Ooh. LBC. Uh, Helen... <laughs> Those hours never get any easier. <laughs> well, there are, you can listen to There's an LBC podcast app as well if you want to get the podcast, but it does cost, I think it's £2 a month. Yeah. Uh, Helen? I do many side projects. You can uh, see what on my website, HelenZaltman.com. And Martin? I do a kind of stuff as well, but I have a very busy and exciting life, in fact. But uh, you might want to listen. <laughs> yeah, of course. You yeah. might want to listen to my, my music at thesoundoftheladies.com. What a way to spend the next two weeks, listeners! Don't say we don't look after you on our weeks off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we will see you in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye.